This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Final Countdown Theatre Nerds. We are Mel and Mike, and you are backstage for the second to last time this year. What's that penultimate, isn't it? If you missed us last week with Legally Blonde and some banned theatre, the wall backstage is available on all and pretty much any of your favourite podcast streaming apps. Go look for us. And if you need reminding, give us a like or a follow on Instagram and Facebook, and we will hit you weekly with our latest episodes. Just like that. Just like that. As if you're surprised to hear it, with three sleeps until Christmas, just three, 
Uh, we could hardly do anything else besides talk about Christmas, theatre, theatre and Christmas. And theater, how they relate to each other. Theatre about Christmas, yeah. etc. Yeah. So that's what's on the menu for today, as is our musical of the week, which is Scrooge. Is it just called Scrooge? It is, is it? just called Scrooge. Scrooge yeah. the musical. Okay, well, well, give us all the goss first. How did Assassins end up? It closed this past weekend after nearly three years in the making. After a couple of nights to sleep on it, how are you feeling? What did you learn? Do you have any closing words? Oh, gosh closing words on the experience oh, I don't know it was it was such fun to do mm. and I, I admitted to Kyle our director Kyle Chuan on closing night that the day that we were told that Waikato was going to level 2 rather than level 3.3 was the turning point and he admitted he was in the same position had we gone to level 3.3 I would have quite happily said okay Assassins isn't going to happen I'm moving on doing yeah. something else yeah. I had already committed to 12 Angry Men I'd done a bunch of other plans for 2022 so I was okay about letting it go mm-hmm. but we got put in a position there where we were told level two heck we can do this yeah yeah so suddenly two and a half weeks had to uh, we had to find room to make it happen and get back into rehearsals after three months relearn a bunch of stuff um welcome uh, uh, somebody else into the cast to replace someone who couldn't be in it anymore and uh, i think all of us approached that with the right kind of well heck We've got this time to make it happen. We're going to damn well make it happen, especially after what we've been through. And that really showed, I think, in our season because we hit the stage, you know, full tit on opening night. Mm -hmm. And all of the six performances we did, I think, were of a similar sort of standard that they were as committed as we could possibly make it. We fired it up with as much energy as we could. And uh, the feedback we had from audiences reflected that, that people were kind of blown away that this style of theatre could be done locally that it was a a show that not a lot of people in this region knew very well Mm -hmm. Uh, but for those who were fans of Sondheim they certainly knew it and appreciated the way we did it Yeah, Um, Kyle's vision and also I have to say Courtney Miles' vision uh, as designer of the set and costumes and all that sort of stuff, the whole thing just really came together Mel and I couldn't have been more proud of um, an ensemble and a and a cast and a show that I've been involved with in gosh living memory I think living for me, memory for me personally yeah it was um it was a great learning experience all round for me musically and performance wise um and uh, you know that's what I love about doing theatre that's yeah. what I love about performing is you you've always got some room to develop somewhere to learn from others around you yeah I was surrounded by eight other performers who all had tremendous skills to bring. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, especially when you're working with, with people that you've not had a lot to do with in the past, it, it's really great to see what they do and how they do it and how you can inspire each other. So, I, yep, I, I'm going to say it's a 10 out of 10 for me. It was a wonderful experience. So glad I did it. Mm-hmm. So glad that we didn't get to the point where we said, right, well, that's done and dusted. We're not going to be able to. After all that <laughs> time, eh? Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's going in my CV as one of my proudest moments so far. I love that. I yeah. love, and I love to hear that. You know, it doesn't matter how much experience you've got, or how old you are, or aren't. You can still be learning and playing and discovering new things. That's so exciting. Well, and gosh, if I ever get to a stage where I admit that I think I know it all, uh, you have my permission to uh, take me out in the car park and run me over. <laughs> you heard it here, guys. I've got it. In, <laughs> I've got it in. I was going to say writing, but I've got it in voice recording. It's the next best thing. Yeah. I was going to ask you all about next year and, and your next performances, but I think we'll save that for next week's pre-New Year's episode. Yeah, okay. There's probably some stuff I can tell you at that time. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a big wrap-up uh, because we're going to need a lot of time to cover.
cover everything that Mike has got in store for himself oh, next year. Up. It's not just me, it's what everybody's doing next year. I, I think 2022 is going to, so long as we get to do all the stuff we're going to do, it's going to be a great year. I think everyone's excited to just get back out there. I don't want to talk too much about what a great year it's going to be. No, don't want we'll to do jinx that it. Next time. All right, if you want to hear about any of it and maybe get a sneak uh, chat in about Mel's upcoming nuptials as well, <laughs> you'll have to join us next week one last time because that is also going to be in the agenda, my friend. We're going to talk about you getting married. Oh, why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? Before any of that, though, there are a few productions on the horizon. So, in preparation for the coming year, get your calendars out for what is coming up around the place soonish. We'll kick off with Riverley Theatre, Beauty of the Beast Jr., directed by Tony Garson, hitting the stage January the 18th. Hamilton Musical Theatre are also in rehearsal for Mamma Mia. That is finally getting its season, hitting the stage on February the 4th. And Playbox have just had their first read-through on Monday night this week for Geezers, which I'm directing, by Tommy Lee Johnston, who's also engaging with us on social media in a big way, which is really cool. Exciting. We put that on stage at the end of March, so we're going to be getting really into rehearsals by the beginning of February. Awesome. Clarence Street Theatre have comedian Ursula Carlson with her show It's Personal. That's coming up in February on the 11th and 12th. Navarra Lounge have open mic night tonight. Doors open from 6 o'clock. Bookings to perform are essential. And Ivan's already given me the heads up. It's going to be a pretty interesting card tonight. The Village Christmas Party is tomorrow night, December the 23rd, starting at 8. Over in Te Aroha, the Little Theatre are in rehearsal for The Vicar of Dibley. That goes to stage in March of 2022. And Death and Taxes by April Phillips is also planning its 2022 reschedule. Gaslight Theatre Cambridge, Conjugal Rights by Roger Hall. That was rescheduled from this year, now going to be happening April of next year. And Things I Know to be True, lovely play, by Andrew Bovell. Auditions for that will be happening early next year. I think I might audition for that one, actually. Yeah, it's a good play. Matamata Dramatic Society have At the Sign of the Crippled Harlequin by Norman Robbins. That is coming back with a 2022 reschedule as well. Potaruru Theatre Players, Moonshine the Musical, now slated for April of next year. Thames Music and Drama have Mamma Mia coming up, directed by Diane Connors. That's coming up in May of next year. Rotorua Musical Theatre Song Contest, the Almost Eurovision Experience, directed by John Drummond, is uh, ready to go in March. Over in Tauranga, the 16th Avenue Theatre have 12 Angry Men by Reginald Rose, directed by Liam Hagen. That's on from January 21st to the 29th and features our mate Mike. Tauranga Musical Theatre have Peter Pan Jr. coming up. That's directed by Keegan White from January 14th to the 21st. And Les Mis coming up in February, directed by Tony Henderson. That's from the 4th to the 19th. Theatre Fakatani have School of Rock, the musical, coming to the stage uh, 2022. That's all I've said so far. We're not sure of the dates. No, we're not, but I think it is being directed by Sue Harris. Auckland Theatre Company have Grand Horizons Up First by Bess Wall, directed by Jennifer Ward-Leland. That's from the 8th of February to the 5th of March. And following that is Lysander's Auntie by Trick of the Light duo Hannah Smith and Ralph McCubin Howell. All right, Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival. The uh, program is out for that and looking really good. My Life in Jandals by Dane Moike and Yvonne Milroy is on stage 19th and 25th of February. Te Tupua, The Goblin, presented by John G. Davies on the 19th of February. The Fairy's Gift, presented by the Sixpence Players, 19th and 27th of February. Julius Caesar is the Summer Shakespeare, directed by James Smith. That's on Sunday, the 20th of February. I Didn't Bring You Here to Lecture Me. Presented by Art Scene Productions, 23rd and 24th. Tom Payne by Will Eno, featuring Nick Wilkinson. That's on stage 23rd and 24th of Feb. 
The Quest, directed by Nick Wilkinson for opening night productions, is on those same nights, 23rd and 24th of February. Cut, presented by Hamilton Operatic Society, is on the 23rd and 27th of Feb. I like the concept for that too, songs that have been cut from musicals. I do good too. Idea, really good idea. Where Our Shadows Meet, directed by Laura Hockey for Equal Voices Arts, on the 24th of Feb. Jekyll and Hyde, presented by Slightly Isolated Dog, is on the 25th and 26th of Feb. Can confirm excellent work. Elsie, written, choreographed and directed by Lily Empson, uh, one of the projects for Boil Up this year, is on 26th and 27th of February. And last by way of theatre in HGAF is The Gregal, and that is presented by Trick of the Light on the 26th of February. And of course, there's all the music acts and everything else as well, but you know, we're that's concentrating right. on the theatre here. That's right. We've just listed the theatre. You know, there's, of course, the bands, the Sunset Symphony, a whole bunch of, there's some comedy acts, there's lots going on. And as always, if there is a show or audition opportunity you want us to spread the word about, email us on backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com or just let us know when you see us around at the theatre or wherever you see us next. See the phantoms filling the sky around you. They astound you. I can tell these inhabitants of hell Poor wretches whom the hand of heaven ignores. Beware, 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 lest their dreadful fate be yours. Make the most of this world, for the next world is worse. If you think life is miserable now, and the life to come is better somehow, you had better put your thinking in reverse. And make the most of this world, for the next world is far, far worse.
You're backstage with Mel and Mike, and that song was Make the Most of the World from our musical of the week, Scrooge. Once again, we couldn't be doing this without the support of our friends at Free FM and Creative Waikato. Thank you for all your encouragement and sponsorship this year. Hopefully you're all having the Christmas break you deserve. Here, here. Uh, and because it's Christmas and because we really should just keep things moving so we can get to the wee treat I have in store <laughs> for us, uh, Mike, tell us everything we never knew we needed to know about Scrooge. Alrighty, everybody knows the Christmas Carol, but this is Scrooge the Musical. It's a 1992 stage musical with the book, music and lyrics by Leslie Brickus. Its score and book are closely adapted from the music and screenplay of the 1970 musical film Scrooge, which starred Albert Finney and Charles Dickens's uh, 1843 novella as well, which you know, A Christmas Carol. Brickus was nominated for an Academy Award for the song score he wrote for the film, and most of those songs were carried over into the musical. So I'll give you the story, just yes. in case you need to know. Yeah, do. By telling you the story, which you probably are all pretty familiar with, I'll tell you what the treatment of it is. Okay. The musical opens with the company singing a Christmas carol medley as, as the city of London begins to reminisce over the coming of Christmas. Meanwhile, Scrooge and his clerk Bob Cratchit are visited by Scrooge's nephew Harry, who in contrast to his uncle is actually excited for Christmas and deplores how Scrooge is making Cratchit still work at 7 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Scrooge asks him to leave. After work, Bob Cratchit, his disabled son, Tiny Tim, and his daughter Kathy go Christmas shopping on the streets of London. Later, Scrooge walks around London, demanding the money that is owed to him by the business people of the town, and we learn of Scrooge's negative reputation throughout the people of London, especially the soup caterer, Tom Jenkins, who leads an angry crowd in a rousing song describing the depth of their dislike of Scrooge. Later, <laughs> Scrooge is visited by the ghost of Jacob Marley, his business partner who's been dead for the past seven years. And he tells Scrooge to, quote, make the most of this world, which is a song we just heard, or else the afterlife will be pretty bad for him. He informs Scrooge that he's going to be visited by three spirits at one o'clock, two o'clock and three o'clock in the morning, respectively. Marley also explains the significance of a chain that he's wearing. The chain has been built up out of the sins of his life. As Marley leaves, Scrooge is angry at the thought that he is in the wrong for hating Christmas. He can't understand it. He's visited by the first spirit, the ghost of Christmas past, who takes him back to when he was a small boy who preferred not to take part in Christmas activities and carols. The child Ebenezer is visited by his sister Jenny, who takes Ebenezer, who's reluctant to go home to his father due to a troubled relationship, back home. Scrooge is confused as to why the visions are not communicating with him to which the ghost replies that those are the shadows of the things that have already been. Apparently in the stage show there's some really amazing, or well, back then there was some really amazing imagery um, or the, like, uh, like magic effects oh, cool. originated by Paul Daniels, but uh, I think later refined by somebody else with um, ghosts flying all over the place and things. It was really cool. Oh, cool. Scrooge is then taken forward to his teenage years to a party held by his then boss, Mr. Fezziwig, Gotta love those Dickensian names, don't you? <laughs> Scrooge reminisces about his relationship with Fezziwig's daughter, Isabel, but we learn that she eventually leaves Scrooge as she feels their love has been negated by his desire for wealth. Scrooge and young Ebenezer reflect on the situation, and the ghost of Christmas past reveals to Scrooge that she is in fact the ghost of his sister Jenny, who died young. She tells a heartbroken Scrooge to love while you can, before leaving him in a state of anguish. As the bell tolls too, Scrooge is visited by the next ghost, the ghost of Christmas present. He tells Scrooge that he is part of a group of brothers who each year send one down to earth to spread the joy of Christmas, and this year it's his turn. 
He's appalled by Scrooge and tries to teach him to find the joy in living. Then it's intermission. Oh, okay. <laughs> Act 2 picks up pretty much from that point. Scrooge is taken by the ghost of Christmas present to Bob Cratchit and his family, who are preparing for Christmas and listening to Tiny Tim sing. Mm-hmm. While Scrooge wonders if the ill Tiny Tim will survive. And Scrooge is then taken to his nephew Harry's Christmas party, where he learns that a, that a tradition at the party has become to drink to the health of Scrooge, as well as playing a singing game called The Minister's Cat. And because the song was often sung at Fezziwig's parties, Scrooge is again reminded of his failed relationship with Isabel. As the ghost of Christmas present leaves, Scrooge wonders if he can truly find a better life to live. Finally, Scrooge is visited by the mute ghost of Christmas yet to come, who silently communicates via pointing in the direction he wants Scrooge to travel. First, they visit Tom Jenkins and a chorus of people who owed Scrooge money, who are all singing about an unusually generous thing that Scrooge has done that has made them all thankful to him. Unbeknownst to Scrooge, they are actually celebrating his death, yet Scrooge is oblivious to this. The uplifted Scrooge is now taken to the Cratchit household, which is sitting in silence with the absence of Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim. The ghost takes Scrooge to a graveyard where Bob is mourning the death of Tiny Tim and reciting the song that Tim sang the Christmas before. No. Isn't that heartrending? It's then revealed that Scrooge is buried in the same graveyard and Scrooge realises his own imminent demise with shock. He's visited once again by Jacob Marley, who reveals that Scrooge has gone to hell, and Lucifer has appointed Scrooge as his personal assistant before revealing Scrooge's chain that was so big it was not immediately ready for his arrival to hell. Scrooge is mortified as he's dragged away by demons. To his shock, Scrooge wakes up in his bedroom on Christmas Day. Still very much alive and not in hell, he's grateful and vows to change his ways in the time that he has left. He begins going around London, forgiving people of their debts and giving out Christmas presents while dressed up as Father Christmas. Everyone in London who was previously against Scrooge is now massively grateful to him for changing his ways. Scrooge reinstates his vow to celebrate Christmas and be kind to people. Curtin. Um, Yeah, okay. Is that pretty close to the novel? Yeah, kind of relentlessly positive at the end yeah more than the novel is the sure. novella yeah. i should say because um, the story's not a long one sure the original story and <laughs> this has been reworked so many different ways and there was a really terrific movie starring bill murray called scrooged which wasn't a musical but a really good take on the story i was just gonna say it's been it comes it pops up again a few different times yeah um, what we've still got to talk about and what we've still got to talk about yeah. so i just wonder i just want to go through a couple of things concerning this production because it never actually made broadway oh okay but it was very popular in the u.s and i'll tell you why uh first of all the uk and ireland productions original producer graham Mulvane and leslie brickus spent several months with the director bob thompson adapting the screenplay for the stage the original production starred anthony newley have you heard of him no okay a very big star in his time as a particularly stage actor and singer uh he played scrooge and it opened on the 9th of november 1992 at the alexandra theater in birmingham the cast also included stratford johns another big name tom watt and john pertwee you must have heard of him i know john pertwee yeah the production played the following year with the same cast at the Theatre Royal in Plymouth from the end of November to the 11th of December. The production later transferred to the West End, also starring Newley once again at the Dominion Theatre from November of 96 to February of 97. There was a revival of the original production, which toured the UK and Ireland for the Christmas season between 2003 and 2013. Ten oh, years. Wow. 
and that starred Tommy Steele, who just the other day actually celebrated his 85th birthday. The only exceptions to Steele taking that role were when Shane Ritchie did it in the 2005 and 2007 tours, and Michael Barrymore did the 2006 tour, when the, and the show was then on hiatus through 2008. Uh, the production transferred to West End starring Steel for the 2005 season while Richie was doing the tour and in 2012 the Christmas season at the London Palladium that made Steel at that time the record holder for the most performances headlined at the Palladium ever. Oh, very good. A revival was produced at the Curve Theatre in Leicester from November 2017 to January 2018 directed by Curve Artistic Director Nikolai Foster for the musical's 25th anniversary. It starred Jasper Britton as Scrooge. There was a radio production. BBC Radio 2 broadcast the complete musical live from the Palace Theatre in Manchester in 1995. That was directed by Tudor Davies with Anthony Newley once again as Scrooge. Stratford Johns as the Ghost of Christmas Present, Barry Howard as Jacob Marley, Felicity Soaker as Ghost of Christmas Past, and Paul Robinson as Tom Jenkins, David Howe as Bob Cratchit. There was an Australian production after premiering in Birmingham. Producer Graham Mulvane co-produced the original UK production in Australia with producer David Mariner, featuring Keith Michelle. Do you remember that name at all from the past? Mm. He was um, he rose to fame as King Henry VIII and the Six Wives of Henry VIII on TV. It was a miniseries. I'll move on. <laughs> Australian actor, anyway. Uh, Max Gillies, Tony Taylor and William Zappa. The show ran from November 93 to January of 94 at the Princess Theatre in Melbourne. United States. Interesting story. Never made Broadway, but... The American premiere opened on the 26th of October 2004 at the Ford Center for Performing Arts Oriental Theatre in Chicago. That production was produced by Bill Kenwright and starred Richard Chamberlain in the title role. It's also been performed at Spring Lake Theatre Community in Spring Lake, New Jersey, every Christmas since 1982. Mark E. Fleming originated the production at Spring Lake and has staged the production at the Premier Theatre Company since its founding in 1987. That's nearly 40 years. Yeah. Another production of the show has also been performed since 1982 by the players of Utica, located in Utica, New York. Director Peter Loftus has been the only director of that show during the entire run, which, if it, as you said, if it keeps going, will celebrate its 40th year next year. Wow. Next Christmas. The production has become an annual community event during the holidays in terms of both audiences and casts. The 30th anniversary 2012 cast was one of the largest of its entire run, with over 250 people involved as performers. That's huge. Huge. Yeah. The show regularly does a community performance for local schools and senior programs. So it's become almost as much of a theatre tradition as lots of other things that Americans really go nuts over at Christmas. It's kind of got its It's own little cult following. Yeah, we just do this every year. Yeah, Um, yeah. But never made Broadway. Interesting. There was also, strangely, a Japanese production. In 1994, Graham Mulvane co-produced the Japanese premiere with Himawari Theatre Group of Japan, and it played that year both in Tokyo and Kobe. Okay, well, the critics have been rather varied in their response to this show. Unsurprisingly. (laughs) Especially in the UK, where The Guardian's Lynn Gardner wrote in 2012, there is probably only one way to stop Tommy Steele from playing Scrooge a role he's been reprising on and off for seven years, and that would be to cancel Christmas entirely for the next decade. Yeah. It would be a small price to pay to save theatre-goers from this cheery but dreary spectacle which sticks to Dickens' novella in the outline but doesn't bother with any of the story's darker and less comfortable truths or try to capture its transformative spirit. 
It's the relentless perky sweetness of the whole thing that wears you down. Yeah. Exemplified by Steele's star turner's Ebenezer, a Scrooge who seems less in need of redemption than some time out on the naughty step without his comfort blankie. Uh, right. I mean, Tommy Steele, would, he was 85 the other day, so he would have been close to 75 when this production was doing its thing in 2012. Sure. Amazing. A guy called Darren Dalglish wrote in 1996, the whole production looked amateurish with the choreography dull, no attempt at doing anything different or unusual. I will admit to enjoying the last 20 minutes of the show, and this is mainly because of the strength of Dickens' story and the singing of the one good song in this musical. At the end, I was again by myself and thinking, what a disappointing show I've just seen. A lot of the packed audience gave it a standing ovation and seemed to have loved it. This is probably great fun for the family, who I'm sure it's aimed at, but normal theatre-goers had better avoid this musical if they're looking for some quality. Right, right. Bah humbug. (laughs) Also in 1996, Jason Bell countered that wee bit with this. He said, This is a knees-up musical, which is fun, although if you're looking for the kind of depth provided by Dickens, you've come to the wrong place. Much of the credit must go to Paul Keeve for his illusions that give the production that extra magic. Children all round shrieked with delight as ghosts flew around the stage, appeared in chairs, and disappeared through mirrors. In the absence of pantomime in the West End, this is the next best thing. If you have children, I guarantee they will have a wonderful time. This is a delightful production with all the necessary Christmas magic. I think you've probably summed it up, haven't you? That's it, baby. I've got no more to say. Yeah, right. So it is definitely, it's not for the theatre goers. And it's not a serious attempt to retell a Christmas carol, I think. It is intended to be... Some Christmas fun. Yeah. uh, I'm I'm tempted to think it was also a bit of a showcase for Anthony Newley at the time. Yeah, sure. And he did that role so many, many times and then followed that with Tommy Steele also picking it up for so many years. They're two performers of a similar sort of ilk, you know, they uh, work the crowd. They do that sort of pantomime kind mm. of approach to their performing. It's funny. I, I, I wonder, and we'll talk about this some more, I guess, but I wonder why it's the only Christmas story that people seem to take inspiration from. You know, like there's, there's multiple A Christmas Carol musicals. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I just think that's really interesting. Anyway. It is. And I almost chose one of the other ones, actually, yeah, yeah. for the day. But then I saw this, and I thought, I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. And I started to read up on it, and I thought, well, that's an interesting story, actually. The fact that it, that somebody thought it was a good enough version to mount it as mm. a stage production. I was also really surprised at the United States' response to it, because it strikes a chord with, I guess, their idea that anybody can be redeemed you know, you can go into Christmas saying, saying bar humbug and... All of that, gr- yeah. Grinch and all that sort of stuff. You know, they love that idea that somebody can be turned around by the magic and the spirit of Christmas. That's right. And that's what the Grinch is all about now that you've said that as well. Yeah. But to be fair, the Grinch didn't actually hate Christmas so much. He didn't like the people. That was, it was his big thing. <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> but speaking of the Grinch hating Christmas... Scavengers and sycophants. Flatterers and fools. Pharisees and parasites and hypocrites and ghouls, calculating swindlers, prevaricating frauds, perpetrating goodness as they roam the earth in hordes, feeding on their fellow men, reaping the rich rewards, contaminating everything they see, corrupting honest men. 
like me. I hate Christmas. I hate Christmas. I hate seeing paupers and peasants squandering hard-earned pennies on presents, poor men proudly purchasing pheasants. Can't abide it. Woe betide it. Are despicable creatures, loathsome, inexplicable creatures, good for nothing, kickable creatures. I hate people. I deplore them. I abhor them. Stupid people singing carols, praising God while opening barrels. That's no way to treat the Almighty. Guzzling brown ale in your nighty. Doesn't fool me, God-fearing me, generous-spirited to a degree. But I keep it inside, where God wants it to be. I loathe Christmas. An abominate Christmas. Every year they're slaves to enjoyment, dancing to the devil's deployment, shirking work and gainful employment. Why can't they be like me? Thinking people all hate Christmas. And that's how Christmas ought to be. Backstage with Mel and Mike, either live on Free FM or from your favourite podcasting streaming app. I've said it a couple of times already. Obviously, I'm pretty excited. Only three more sleeps till Christmas. Mm. And it's probably my favourite time of year. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh. I love just the buzz. And in Hamilton, where we live, everyone goes away. So town's really quiet. Um, my family calls me the Christmas Nazi. My friends call me the Christmas Queen. Uh, so here's a whole bunch of fun Christmas shows to investigate in the absence of backstage in January. First up is Dolly Parton's Smoky Mountain Christmas Carol. Scrooge, you got a long night ahead of you. If you're going to change your path, you got to take a hard look at how you ended up on the one you're on. Take my hand. No, I won't. Take my hand. Set in the 1930s in the Smoky Mountains of East Tennessee, this Smoky Mountain Christmas Carol reimagines the story we've just been talking about at Ebenezer Scrooge as the owner of a mining company town where his callous greed blinds him to the joys of the season. As a Christmas Eve snowstorm approaches, Scrooge is visited by his deceased business partner and three ghosts who compel him to see life and love anew. For those of you who don't know or didn't know, Irving Berlin's classic Holiday Inn was remade for the stage and tells the story of Jim, who leaves the bright lights of show business behind to settle down on his farmhouse in Connecticut. But life just isn't the same without a bit of a song and dance. So Jim's luck takes a spectacular turn when he meets Linda, a spirited school teacher with talent to spare. 
Together they turn the farmhouse into a fabulous inn with dazzling performances to celebrate each holiday from Thanksgiving through to the 4th of July. But when Jim's best friend Ted tries to lure Linda to Hollywood to be his new dance partner, will Jim be able to salvage his latest chance at love? Mm, that was nearly the one I was going to choose. I've watched a few clips of the of the stage show and it looks fun. It is. It would still have been a good choice, I think. Now, the premise of the parody Mrs. Bob Cratchit's Wild Christmas Binge by Christopher Durang is the question, what if Dickens's Mrs. Cratchit wasn't so goody-goody but instead was an angry, stressed-out, bottom-day American woman who wanted out of this harsh London 1840s life? The main character is the hard-drinking suicidal Gladys Cratchit, whose harshness to her family surpasses mummy terrorist by a mile. The other two leads in Christmas Binge are the ghost and Ebenezer Scrooge. So the ghost, whose character is written to be an African-American woman, plays the narrator role as she escorts Ebenezer Scrooge through the past, present and future of his life. But as she says, everything keeps going kaplooey because she can't get her magic to work properly. Neat, eh? Yeah. Author of The Music Man, Meredith Wilson, also tackled another story about a famous parade. The composer-lyricist turned the holiday film classic Miracle on 34th Street to the Broadway musical Here's Love, which opened in 1963 and ran for just less than a year. Set during the festive time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the Santa Claus and the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade insists that he is the real Kris Kringle, attempting to work his magic to bring happiness to a sad and sceptical little girl and her family. I love Miracle on 34th it's Street, can I story. just say? Yeah. I think I watch it every other year with my mum, and it's just so special and cute. So you would have been perfectly happy living in America? Because they do that. I think I would have. Yeah. yeah, I think I would have been a happy American, should <laughs> have that been my life at one point. Uh, and I know I bring it up every year, but I maintain that Rent is a Christmas musical. Yes. Uh, the close bond between the characters is deeply felt when they spend Christmas with little to no money, but somehow they find the spirit of the season anyway. The rock musical features a Christmas Eve celebration of all of the the things that go against the grain in La Vie Bohème, and the second act commences with the characters reflecting on the new year with seasons of love. So, And in fact, if you Google Christmas musicals, you will see Rent come up. You will. Yeah. So, And of course, there are the Christmas staples that you hear about this time of the year alongside A Christmas Carol. Uh, there's The Nutcracker, She Loves Me, set around Christmas and based on the movie You've Got Mail. Here's Love, as we just mentioned, based on the miracle on 34th Street. There's also Elf. The musical, which has some really amazing songs in it. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing out loud for all to hear. It's the story of Buddy the Elf. It's the story of Buddy the Elf. It's the story of... It's kind of brilliant if he says so himself. It's the story of Buddy the Elf. And just so we're not saturating the list with our personal preference for musicals, The Long Christmas Dinner by Thornton Wilder is a one-act drama that traverses 90 years and represents in accelerated motion 90 Christmas dinners in the Bayard home. The development of the countryside, the changes in the customs and manners during this period of time, as well as the growth of the Bayard family and their accumulation of property, sums up pretty vividly a wide aspect of American life. 
What a wonderful day for our first Christmas dinner. actually quite a lot to find uh, as Mike mentioned if you go on Google and search the depths of the internet for obscure Christmas themed theatre but as I mentioned earlier I got in a sneaky surprise for the end of today's episode so sneaky that Mike didn't even know about it until today because it's Christmas First of all, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you to Free FM for hosting us. Thanks to Creative Waikato for sponsoring us. And thank you for coming back week after week. We do appreciate it. Don't forget to catch Backstage wherever you get your podcasts. Backstage is available on accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Mel will be posting a link to our Musical of the Week. The soundtrack for that is our original London cast recording. All of that will be on Instagram a bit later. It sure will. And to finish off with today, I couldn't help but request a reading from Mike because it's Christmas. I've been Mel, he's been Mike, you've been backstage. Stay classy, theatre nerds, and have a wonderful Christmas day. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads and Mamma in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer? With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away, all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop the courses they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my hand and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a round little belly that shook when he laughed, like a bowl full of jelly. 
He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew, like the down of a thistle. And I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. That was really fun. I'm really, thank you for doing that. That was awesome. <laughs> Let me assure you, sir, that I am a man of the highest principles and the most generous spirit. <laughs> generous spirit? You don't even know the meaning of the phrase. But you're about to find out. Here, drink this. What is it? Taste it. Do you like it? It's wonderful. I've never tasted anything like it. Of course you haven't. What is it? The milk of human kindness. The milk of... There are more good things in life, Scrooge, than you can possibly imagine. Oh, I'm sure there are. Can I have some more? Ebenezer Scrooge, the sins of man are huge. A never-ending symphony of villainy and infamy, duplicity, deceit, and subterfuge. And no one's worse than Ebenezer Scrooge. Though man's a handy candidate for hell, I must admit, life sometimes has its brighter side as well. <laughs> I like life. Life likes me. Life and I fairly fully agree. Life is fine. Life is good. Especially mine, which is just as it should be. I like pouring the wine and why not? Life's a pleasure I deny not. I like life here and now. Life and I made a mutual vow. Till I die, life and I will both try to be better somehow. And if life were a woman, she would be my wife. Why? Why? Because I like life. That's all very well for you. I hate life. Nonsense, man. Why? Because life hates me, that's why. Oh, Scrooge, you're an even bigger fool than I took you for. You've had over 60 years on this planet, and during your long, miserable, miserly, selfish existence, you haven't even learned how to live. Now listen to me. I like life. Well, go on. I like life. That's better. Life likes me. Life likes me. Good, good. I'll make life a perpetual spree. Perpetual spree. Eating food. Drinking wine. Thinking who would like a privilege to dine me. I like drinking the drink I drink. That's better, Scrooge. And I like thinking the thoughts I'm thinking. Songs. I like dance, I hear music and I'm in a trance. Tra-la-la, oh, chances are I should get up and rise.
What's happened to you? What's happened? It's perfectly simple, Busy. I've discovered that I like life. I like life. Life likes me. Life and I very fully agree. Life is fine. Life is good. Especially mine, which is just as it should be. I like pouring the wine, and why not? Life's a pleasure that I deny not. But, Mr. Scrooge, why? For a jolly good reason, Mr. Jolly Good. <laughs> They'll tell you why. Excuse me. I like life here and now. Life and I made a mutual vow. Till I die, life and I will both try to be better somehow. Where there's music and love and happiness is right. Why? I feel as if another life's begun for me. And that goes for anybody else who owes me money. You can keep it. As of this day, all my debts are ending. Thank you. 
Use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.